I met today's guest ever so briefly last year in New York City at the New York Times Travel Show. We exchanged business cards and we went our separate ways. A couple months later, I received an email from her and that email had a few questions about podcasting. She was interested in starting her own family travel podcast to go along with her family travel website. Today's guest is Ranyana Armstrong. Her website is Nugget. And I am thrilled to announce that she has recently launched not one, but two podcasts, Go With Nugget for Kids and Go With Nugget for Parents. Today on Family Travel Radio, we're going to talk about those podcasts and a whole lot more. Off we go. Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities, family travel has to offer. Ranyana Armstrong is joining us today from her home in Brooklyn, New York. Ranyana is the founder of Nugget, a new guide to family travel that sets out to simplify how millennial parents plan their vacations and family trips. She's also the co-host and co-producer of two travel podcasts for families, Go With Nugget for Kids and Go With Nugget for Parents. Before launching Nugget, Ranyana was a publishing executive at Penguin Random House, the world's largest trade publisher, where she spearheaded innovation and strategic business development. Ranyana is also the mom of three boys. She is a passionate photographer and an avid traveler who has visited over 30 countries and five continents. Whew, Ranyana, that's a heck of a bio. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Anne. It's so great to be here. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. So of those 30 countries, the United States of America, where you live now, was not number one. You were born in Germany, yeah? Yes, yes. I was born and raised in Germany and um but I've been I've been now living in the US for got 12 years. So it's been my adopted new home. Well, tell me. I I've, I've the Germans that I've come across in my travels and in my personal life generally speaking are very passionate avid travelers. It's part of it's part of their DNA as I've had it yeah. explained <laughs> to me once by a friend of mine who was born in Germany. So tell me about that travel DNA that's that's in your that German culture. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about Germans and the love for travel. Um, I can tell you with, you know, for me, um, if you ask my parents, they would say, yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was in my genes from day one. Like there, there's this very funny story of my mom telling me that I think it was like two or three, I could walk, but I couldn't really talk. But the neighbors caught me, you know, <laughs> a few streets down from our house trying to hitchhike um, to, to go explore. So I've, I've always had this urge to explore and um, the beauty of growing up in Europe is it's, it's fairly easy to, to go to a different country, to experience a different culture. And then I think I took my first international flight when I was 17, yet I was to Canada. And, and then after that, I was hooked. I mean, I knew that, that there's so much out there that I wanted to explore. And so even that I, you know, every job that I had in high school and college and then even working, I would put all my savings aside and then use them to travel when I had time. So yeah, I can't explain why, why the Germans have that urge. I feel like the Germans and the Australians are, no matter where you go, you always meet somebody from Germany. And I feel like I always meet somebody from Australia. I would toss Canadians in that group too. In my travels, yes. I did a lot yeah. of backpacking, a lot of hostel stays in my twenties. You ran into Germans, Australians, and lots of Canadians. And you always knew because they had their, their flag sewn on their backpacks. Yes. So you never could miss them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I, th that's actually true. And so, it's such a beautiful flag. Indeed it yeah. is. So do you remember that hitchhiking story? 
No, 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 no. I was so little. I mean, I have memories from being a little bit older, you know, of, of wanting to explore and always wanting to know, you know, like, what's that path going to take me down and what's behind that turn. And yeah, my parents have a, have a ton of, of crazy stories of what I supposedly did as a kid as far as exploring and schlepping my, my siblings with me. There's another one my mom said they were driving and she they're driving through the forest and she tells me like she's looking down this this trail into the forest and she sees these three kids there and, and I rem- that one I actually remember I remember this car going by and I was like oh that's my parents car and then I see it out of a movie like reversing backwards at full speed my parents getting out <laughs> and being very very angry with us because they basically had convinced me and a two friends to take a bike and like ride into this forest which was like 20 30 minute bike right from my house and then I was probably seven or eight at the time, <laughs> but that's, that's like, that's what kids did back then. Right. Like, I don't think, I don't think my kids will be doing this in New York, but. Um, Why do you think that is the case? It's just, I, I, I mean, I think there's two things. I think it's a, you know, I think the times have changed, unfortunately, and, and everyone's more paranoid about something happening to their kids. And then also New York city is, is different. I mean, um, like I'm already like my, my kids are still little. My oldest is, is only turning five um, next year, but I'm like trying to imagine like when, when am I going to let him, you know, just walk around the corner to the deli and like, when am I going to be okay having him walk to the park where he has to cross like major six lane road and deal with traffic. Like it's, it's just different, right? Like where I grew up, there was fields and cows. And I mean, the worst thing that could happen is, I don't know. You get, I don't, I don't, I don't think there was anything bad that could happen to you. Well, so. what's the, what's the norm? What's the typical for, for parents in your neighborhood for when they let the kids start getting out on their own and how much of what is typical will you take into account when making your own decisions? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I, I do, you do see kids on the subway that I would guess are like 10 that, that go to school by themselves. So, um, I think, I think, you know, we have to see how, how our kids, you know, how, how street smart they are. And I, my biggest thing is really the traffic. So it's, I think they're, they're okay when it comes to everything else. It's just traffic in New York is hard, but um, other than that, I want them to explore because I think it's, it's so important for them to, to have experiences on their own, but it even, it doesn't have to be like a big thing like this <laughs> yesterday, my, you know, it's, it's getting cold now in New York and getting three kids out of the house in the morning, all in like snowsuits and gear and it, it takes forever. And, my oldest was complaining he's hot. And then he asked like, can I go downstairs by myself and wait outside? And I was like, sure. Um, <laughs> and so that was a big deal for him. I mean, this sounds silly, maybe for some parents, um, but for him, that was a big deal. And he was so excited that he could just like walk downstairs by himself and wait outside in the cold by himself until I get the other two dressed up. So um, I think it's like little things, giving your kid those little opportunities um, will go a long way. And um and maybe when we travel, I mean, I feel like travel is, is another one where, you know, having the kids order in a different language or having them, you know, say hi, like my son, like my oldest, um, he's, he's gotten really good at asking people. So he will, you know, even at four, he will walk up and like ask where something is or ask if he can have something or ask what something is about. And, and it's really cute because he, you know, he, even at four, he already has a concept of different languages and, and that, you know, not everyone will understand English. And so, um, you know, he, the beauty of New York is like, you grew up with all these other people that speak different languages. So, you know, he, 
he doesn't speak Spanish, but he knows at least how to say hola. Um, so he will try that. <laughs> um, and then just, just keep babbling in Spanish. I mean, in English, but, um, yeah, I think all those little things that they, they add up and, and give your kids confidence to oh, explore. Absolutely. And just the fact that he knows that not everybody is going to speak English, just that knowledge alone is already, he's leaps and bounds ahead of kids who grow up in more of a homogeneous type of culture. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, no, it's, it's beautiful. And it, I mean, it's one thing because I grew up in Germany. Um, he obviously is exposed to 24 seven because I only speak German with him um, and his brothers, but um, my husband only speaks English with them because he doesn't speak German. And so just at home, he already has two languages, but the beauty of New York is, I mean, you walk outside and on our way to school, you hear English, you hear French, you hear Spanish, you hear Russian, you hear Hebrew. I mean, there's, there's, there's just so many languages that you can hear and, and it's kids picked it up so quickly and then they ask a question about it. And it's, it's a great way of then exploring, you know, you know, why do people speak different languages? Where are they from? Where's that country? And then next thing I know after school, we're sitting at home, we're looking at a globe and like, okay, this is where Russia is. And, you know, this is, this is where the Netherlands are. And this is where your friend is from. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. And it's fun to see where those little bits of inspiration come from, because you, you, as parents, we want to, we'd love to think that we can have the foresight to put our kids in situations where they're, we're going to, where the light bulb's going to turn on, but sometimes it happens in really unexpected places. And in a place like New York, you guys have so many of those opportunities, so many of those unexpected opportunities that uh, I think just watching your kids grow, it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating case study compared to kids more in, in my universe that are grew up more in the the suburban jungles of Northern California. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's, I mean, this is, I think that's a great point you're making, but it's something that I always say, you know, when people ask about nugget and submitting an itinerary and whether they should some, you know, they say we only travel domestic. Is that even something you're interested in? And I'm like, of course, because you don't have to travel internationally to, to have that experience to your point. Like you can like just go out and explore your own city. I mean, you always will find something that will spark that conversation with your kid. And, and I think even, you know, in your neighborhoods, there, there are, you know, things that are different and that you can talk about and that will, you know, it, it's obviously easier in a city like New York, but I think every city kids have, parents have the opportunity to, to, you know, experience something with their kids that, that opens their, their perspective on the world and, and different people and their neighborhood. I mean, just think about going to a different restaurant, you know, go to an ethnic restaurant and like try a food and then, or, or even like just look up a recipe online and, and, um, and make that, you know, like try to buy the ingredients and then make that meal and, and, you know, maybe read up on like, where do people eat this and how do they eat it? Like that's like when my son discovered chopsticks in our <laughs> kitchen, like we had a whole conversation about chopsticks and, where do people eat those chopsticks and why are they using chopsticks and how do kids learn with it? And what do you do with them? And what are you not allowed to do with them? <laughs> so, I mean, again, it, it's just taking, taking those little nuggets and like, like run with them. Taking the nuggets. So I was, was going to ask where the, <laughs> the name came from. I take it. That's, that's how you came up with the name nugget. Yeah. Well, the nugget came, it's two things that it came from. It was really, it was my oldest son that sort of inspired it, but indirectly because it was, I had this idea that I wanted to create this community and wanted to create, you know, um, a place for parents to share the experiences that they had, that they were recommending to other people. And, but I couldn't come up with a good name. It was like all these very cliche names that I came up and, 
And I had a friend in branding who was like going through all these exercises of like, think about colors and think about smells and flavors. Um, but I was writing a friend and I was describing to him, I was like, it's going to be all about the nuggets of advice. And while I'm writing that, my husband is like yelling in the back, nugget, how are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, that's what it is. It's nuggets of advice and it's traveling with nuggets. So, so oh. yeah, that's... That's it. That's, That's all that the name happened. And um, speaking of Nugget, um, Nugget number three just woke up, even though I thought he wouldn't. Um, so I'm going to just quickly get him, if that's okay. Of course it is. This all is right. a family show. Let's bring in the family. Come on. Yeah, let's bring in the family. Let's bring in Nugget number three. We can keep talking. Oh, okay. And there he Oh, I haven't heard that sound uh, in my house for a few years. Yeah. So we're going to get into some more of that talking about exploring local culture in our communities. That's going to be a big part of our conversation. But before we move on, I'm fascinated with people's origin stories in travel and, and in their professional lives as well. Because you, Ranyana, were a publishing executive who has now founded a travel company and you're a <laughs> podcast producer. And, a, and how did that tra transformation take place? I'm dying to know. Yeah, sure. Um, so as you may guess, because I think that's the case for at least, I think a lot of people who end up in family travel, it had to do with the birth of my first son. Um, and so, I mean, I've always loved to travel as we, as I said before, and I've always loved to photograph and I do, I do love publishing and I love books, but when I had my son and I went back to work, it was, I sort of had this moment where I was like, I've done this, you know, I've worked in this industry for over a decade. Um, I love it, but I also feel like I want to spend time with my son and I just want to do, I was, it was time to do something else that I was so passionate about that I felt like, okay, not being with him. Um, but I didn't know what that was. And so I, you know, I left random house at the time and took a little bit, you know, a few months to just, you know, read all the business books that I, that we had published and like really take time, you know, and think about what am I passionate about? What do I want to do? Um, and I kept coming back to photography and travel. And, um, and so I had this, I actually had a completely different idea. It was like about, you know, coming from publishing, I thought about all the amazing writing that's out there and, and how it's really hard to discover because the way the algorithm at Google is built, like, you know, if you, the big side surface, you know, you will always get TripAdvisor, Lonely Planet, but that beautiful local blog, that somebody has all these insights or really beautiful writing, you, you're never going to find because just that's just not how the internet works. And so I had this idea of like, what if I can find all these people and like we aggregate it and you can come to the site where you can, you know, you can find all the writing from the local people. <laughs> and I, I started exploring that and I talked to people in the industry and I try to find consumers who have that same desire. And I just, I, I couldn't find anyone else who wanted this and, the more I was talking to people in the industry, the more apparent it became that also nobody really believed in that. And then in the starter world, everyone was questioning, like, how do you make money with that? And, you know, how is that legal? You can't just take the content. And long story short, I, I, I realized, like, I have, no, I have no business model. I have no need that anyone really has other than me. So let's, let's table that here. Um, but the good thing that came out of that was that um, one of another startup founder I spoke with, he, you know, who doesn't have kids, um, he said to me, he's like, well, why don't you look in the family travel space? You know, it's, 
there must be something there. And, and after all, you have a kid. And I was like, well, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to be this mom that starts another mom business just because she thinks her kid is like the most amazing thing in the world. And, um, but I was like, okay, fine. I'll, 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 I'll start asking my friends with kids. Like, and you know, I did. And I, you know, I, I started to realize, I think what a lot of travel bloggers, we family travel bloggers have realized to, um, parents have a lot of questions and there's a lot of needs there. And a lot of time it's, it's hard to, they're having a hard time, you know, finding answers to some of the problems they have. And there's obviously this whole topic of flying for the first time, you know, the first time parent, like there are so many questions. Um, but I realized like that was, there was a lot of people already writing about that and I wasn't that exciting about it. Um, but the more I dove into it, I, I realized like this topic of itineraries and, and, you know, like all these reviews that people sift through, um, that, that there is something there that, that could be done differently. And, um, and so that's, yeah, that's how the path towards Nuggets started. And, you know, I built some prototypes, we did some testing and it, it took a while. There was a lot of iterations <laughs> of what the site would look like. And, um, you know, I started an Instagram handle just to, to be in, in the mix of people who love to travel for when we're ready to, um, to have like some connections to families. And, um, I, I, I still remember the day when I, when I actually posted and was like, okay, who wants to become a contributor and submit itineraries? And the site hadn't been up. There was nothing in return for it. And I had no idea how many people would show up and submit itineraries. And <laughs> next thing I know, I was like, I had like a few hundred itineraries. And I was like, God, what am I going to do now? <laughs> Other than continue to, to grow your business because you just validated your entire idea. Yeah, no, but it was, but it was like, it, it totally, it totally hit me by surprise. Cause we, I always, said from the beginning again like my publishing background here taking over it's like we're not going to be a trip advisor where anyone can just write a review you know it's about the recommendation it's not about the reviews it's like really where if you had an experience that you generally felt like this is something other families will experience and, and hear all the nuggets of advice how to have a great time that's what I wanted to decide to be about and so I always said okay, we're going to review everything we're going to edit everything we're copy editing and make sure you know that people that aren't writers feel comfortable with what they're submitting. And, and there was feedback I got from the contributors. They loved it. Like we had parents who had always thought about starting their own blog, but didn't have the time or didn't know if their writing was good enough. And we're like, we'll, we'll do that for you. Um, but yeah, I remember that summer when I was like, okay, here are 250 itineraries <laughs> that I all need to read and edit and do what I said I would do. Um, so yeah, I hired a bunch of people to help me um, because that was also when I was like, like I launched the site literally, I think three weeks before my second son was born. So yeah, so that's Nugget was born, Nugget 2 was born and the site was born. And, um, <laughs> and then fast forward two years, you know, the community has grown, the itineraries have grown. I've learned a lot along the way of like what it, how it's different when you're doing everything um, and you don't have an IT department that make sure your site is properly built and that, you know, you can call if something goes wrong. Last year, there was a point where, you know, I sort of went back and I was like, okay, are we, are we doing what we set out? Are we helping parents to really simplify how they plan vacation? And you, you might know this, like with, you know, when you, when you, in the startup world, you, you really want to talk to your consumers. So that's what I did. And I, I was like, I went out and, you know, I reached out to people who use the site and trying to understand 
how they're using the site, what's helping them. And the feedback was great. People really thought, you know, it was helping. I mean, we still need to build out the content. But the other thing that still kept coming up is like how busy parents are. And I just kept seeing it on my end. I was like, I'm just constantly running around. I'm dropping off the kids. I'm making dinner. I'm cleaning up. That's when it dawned on me. It's like, okay, we can do something else in addition to these itineraries that will really change how people, you know, how much time a parent spends on planning a trip. And that's, that's a podcast. Um, because you can listen to these amazing nuggets of advice while you're dropping your kids off at school or while you're making dinner. Or like last night, I was, I was cleaning the mess up that these three boys created, um, <laughs> as they do every night. Um, and, you know, the hour that it took me to get the house back in order, I, I listened to two podcasts about a travel destination that I'm, you know, thinking about going to. And it was perfect. Like I, I got so many tips on, on logistics and places to stay and what to do. And I was doing it all while I was doing the dishes. So, um, so that's when the podcast idea started. So that was pretty straightforward because we had this network of, I think at this point we have like 35 or 600 contributors to the site. And then we have a lot more on Instagram. And so it was, it, it was pretty easy to start reaching out to people like local parents and be like, Hey, let's talk about, you know, what's Finland like? What's Namibia like? What's, what is it like living in Stockholm or living outside a national park? Yeah. And, and during that process, the other thing that kept coming up, you know, like, and it's been, you know, in the back of my head all along, because I'm, as I said earlier, I'm raising kids in like with two bilingual and like two different cultures. And there's always this moment of, you know, how do you explain <laughs> the differences in cultures to, to a four-year-old? And that's when the idea started, like, we should also do a companion for kids. Um, because after all, kids, you know, are really also involved in the travel planning. And the more we started talking to parents, I realized that there's, you know, this desire of, like, getting kids to learn about different countries and cultures is, is, is huge. Like, most parents want that for their kids. But not everyone has the means to travel, whether that's time or money. And, and so... The more we dove into this idea of, of the podcast, um, and I'm saying we here because at that point, a very good friend of mine who had, you know, thought about joining Nugget finally decided she would join us. Um, and so her and I set out to, to really research what it is that kids and parents would want in a podcast. And do kids actually listen to podcasts? And they do. They do actually listen to a lot of podcasts. And it's very fascinating to, to hear about how they listen and what they do after they listen. Yeah, and that's, that's how then the, the Nuggets for Kids idea started. And that's one I'm, I'm really, really excited about that it launched earlier this year um, because it's such a unique way for kids to, to travel um, to a different destination without leaving their home. And it's, so it's, it's great for parents who want to, you know, like prep a kid for a trip or get them excited about it, but it's equally um, exciting for parents who, you know, just want their kids to learn about a different place and have no plans of going to Australia, but they still want their kids to, to realize that there's children around the world that um, aren't that different from, you know, they go to school, they, they eat, hopefully they eat breakfast and lunch. Um, and, but they might do things differently. Their names are different. They're, you know, but they all love playing a sport or um, they love animals, but the animals that they love are different than what we have here. And so I think it was, it was super fun working on the concept for the show and testing it with kids and getting the feedback. Like the initial episodes, it was, we, you know, we, we shared with a lot of kids early on because we wanted to see, does it resonate with them? And 
And I think what we've, what we've created is, is a lot of fun. Let's dig into that a little deeper. You said something earlier that I really locked on to. You talked about whether, whether or not kids listen to podcasts and it sounds like, yes, they do. But you said you're curious about what they do afterwards. So as you're, you're testing the podcast and even in, even now, as it's gone live into the world, what are you noticing that kids are doing afterward? What actions are they taking after consuming this podcast that's created just for them? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. Um, and thankfully there is, um, there's a wonderful organization out there called kids listen. Um, and they're a grassroots organization that, um, is dedicated to producing, helping people produce high quality audio content for kids. So not, we're not talking video, we're talking purely audio and primarily podcasts. And they've done a research um, a couple of years ago asking exactly that question, like trying to drill down on that. And they, they're also doing a new survey. So anyone listening out there who has kids who listen to podcasts, please you know, look up um, Kids Listen and fill out their survey because this data will really help anyone with kids podcast make kids podcast better but to answer your question so i'm looking at the numbers right now so here's the crazy thing and this is probably not surprising to parents but they love repetition right they love doing the same thing over and over indeed <laughs> so 80 percent of kids will listen to a podcast episode again and 20 percent of kids will listen to the same podcast episode 10 times or more oh i believe it and and I can, I can attest to that because um, we have this one episode that my son loves. Um, and I think every time we get in the car, it's like, can we listen to the <laughs> crocodile story again? Um, so 75% of kids start a discussion. And so this is, again, like thinking about this notion of like, how do you get kids to open their minds about like, you know, that the world that we're actually all more alike than we sometimes are left to believe. And listening to this podcast, like, I mean, two thirds of the kids will want to ask questions. You know, you can have a conversation with them afterwards and use that as a starting off point. And um, the other one that's really fun is like 58% of kids will maybe reenact a part of an episode. And I've seen that with my own kids where next thing I know, my son is like doing the cassowary dance, uh, <laughs> which is something we talked about in one of our Australian episodes. Um, and then 50% of kids will request more information. They want to learn more about the place. They want to learn more um, about what they've heard. And, um, and we saw that we actually, as part of the testing we did, we shared um, an initial episode with second and third graders um, at a public school here in New York. And it was fascinating to watch because the first question we got as we were setting up is like, where's the video? Where's the screen? And we're like, there's no video. There's no screen. <laughs> Um, and then once the kids got used to that, you know, as they're listening, they started a moving with the episode. So a lot of kids, there's music in our episodes and sounds. And so some of the kids started sort of dancing to the music. Um, and then you could really see their imagination go off. And, and this episode was, um, it was a conversation with a nine-year-old boy in Namibia. And he's talking about the Namib Desert and how he goes to one of the tallest dunes there sometimes with his family and how he climbs up the dune and then rolls down a dune. And it's, it's so adorable because there's this little accent um, describing that. And the kids, you could see the arms pop up and they were like, all of a sudden they're like, so, so how tall is the dune and how tall is the foot? And like, what's the angle of the dune, like the incline? And I was like, wait, 
<laughs> like you just heard about like it started there were so many questions that came out of that and and some had were like math questions which really surprised me but um again it, it just showed how how like that audible experience just triggered so many things as a follow-up which is it's beautiful because um kids are curious and this really helps feed their curiosity and it's screen free so i think it's that's something else we we're super happy about that, that we can build something that kids can can get kids away from the screen you're certainly preaching to the choir Ranyana, yeah. when it comes to <laughs> the power of audio i've got two quick stories, interesting stories about the power of audio, one of which really backs up one of the statistics that you coded. One of my very first experiences with audio in the travel space was back in 2007. I took a, I downloaded an audio tour for a walking tour for Paris onto my iPod Nano, which I don't know if anybody out there <laughs> I, even remembers those. I had one. But I had to download it before I left home. We didn't have mm -hmm. the mobile phones. Anyway, long story short, I, I listened to this great walking tour that took about an hour. A couple months later, I was home flipping through my nano and I came across the tour. It was still there on my iPod and I pushed play on it just for fun on a whim. And it was incredible that as the tour started playing, I could immediately go back in my head and see yeah. and remember every single detail of that walk. Those, those memories were in there that whole time, but the audio re-listening to that audio unlocked those memories. And I just, the sights and the sounds of the smells of that walk through, through Paris just came flooding back. And then your other point about kids acting things out, this just happened a couple of weeks ago. So my kids listen to, to this podcast from time to time. They hear me on the show. I had my son in, in my podcast studio and he was just playing around on the microphone phone. He hops up and he does this dead on impression of me, the way that I would read the sign off for the show. He does it with all the, all the same inflection and he just puts his own name in instead of mine. And I was just like blown away. Like he just picked this up by listening. And then now he's able to just like reenact it with body language and everything. It was remarkable. Yeah. No. And that's, I mean, we have the podcast has like different segments and one is, is a language segment where we we always, um, I mean, if, if we're talking to a kid in a, in a country where English isn't the first language, we ask them to teach our listeners a few words. And, and that's one where kids always have a lot of fun with just like practicing the words. And the next thing I know, you know, they're using them with each other or using them instead of the English word. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing to see what kids do with those, those things when you give them the opportunity. Yeah, that's fun. Let's let's move on to to talking about the nuggets for parents. But how's Nugget number three doing before we move on? He's good. He's in his bouncer. He's happily staring at me, wondering what I am doing right now. <laughs> and someday you'll tell him, and someday he'll he'll imitate you, probably the way my kids imitate me. We talked about the Go with Nugget for kids, and I think it's awesome that there's a companion, a sister podcast, if you will, Go with Nugget for parents. So let's let's compare and contrast those two shows. Yeah, so the the Go is not good for parents. It's, it's it's a if you want much more traditional podcast than that. Um, we speak with parents in a destination that we think families thinking about going on a vacation would be interested about hearing about, and so it's all about taking those nuggets of advice from those parents and their recommendations, and and creating you know a sixty minute version if you want about everything you should know about that destination. So from what are the top sites that you you should see and are there any insights on, you know, how you best do them with kids? So whether there is dedicated kids lines or kid activities that you may not 
know about. Um, and then it's down to the nitty gritty of, you know, how do you navigate the city? Are there any, anything again there? And you just never know what comes out of that. I mean, I, when we did the Finland episode, I had no idea that some of the Finnish cities actually have um, heated sidewalks, which sort of makes sense when you think about that, you know, how much, how long it's dark and cold over there, but you would never know that. And so that definitely changes, you know, how, how you navigate, you know, Helsinki, for example, with kids in tow. Um, so yeah, so that's what the, the parent one is, whereas the kid one is much more a journey of going there with sound effects and music and much more educational in that sense, whereas the parent one is educational in a very different way. You know, hopefully after listening to the podcast, you have a lot more clarity about whether you want to go to that destination and what you want to do, where you want to stay, if there's food your kids will eat, if you have picky eaters, and sort of what you as a parent will enjoy and what the kids will enjoy. Because I think that's something else that, that has always been very important to me is that that notion of, yes, now that I have kids, I, I'm going to do things on my vacation for the kids, but I still want to do some things that I'm really selfishly only doing for myself, but I want to include the kids in that. So like one great example is like when I went last year, I went to Portugal, to Lisbon, and my sister joined me and um, she's an artist and we really wanted to look at the tile museum which you're like, why on earth would you take a four-year-old? And I guess Archie was eight months old. Why would you take them to a tile museum, right? Like that's probably the least interesting museum for a kid. But what I learned while I was there is they have all these replicas of the tiles that you see on display, like a 3D version of it for people with, um, who are visually impaired to, to touch and to sort of feel what I can see. And so we just turned that around and used it for my son. And so he had, I mean, it was, it was so much fun because it would be like, here, like, this is the drawing of this boat on the tiles. And here you can feel the boat and you can feel like the waves. And, and so you're still not going to that museum for your kid. But if you want to go and see that museum, here is how you can actually make it fun for your child. And you don't have to worry about them, like, touching, you know, 200-year-old tiles and ruining the paint. Like, so, so I think that's what we're looking for is like, it's this balance of how do you make an activity that's really for the adult, palatable to a kid, and then also what do you then do, what can you offer your child in reward to that? So um, whether that's a cool playground afterwards and, or ice cream or you know, an activity that's really geared to their interests. When we were, we were in Russia with the voice and I was really blown away by the playgrounds in, in Moscow. And I think that's something I would now, or even St. Petersburg, like people traveling with kids who are still in the playground age. I think, you know, every major site, there's a, a really cool playground, like a couple of blocks away. And so you can, you can look at that cathedral and then afterwards, like reward your kids with an hour of like just playing and, and trying something. I mean, my son still asks if he can go back to the playground with a giant octopus. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, sure. Well, I'm not sure when we're going to fly back there, but um, so yeah, so that's that's what the the podcast is about. It's taking what we've done on the website, but but really like diving down beyond just the itineraries. So does each kid episode have a companion parent version of that episode? Not always. So it, it depends. If we have a parent contributor that you know is a local and has insights and wants to share it, and we can do it. 
sometimes they also don't sync up quite. So this month we're going to release um, an episode about Stockholm for parents. And that one's actually the first one where we interviewed both the mom and the daughter. But just because of timing, the, the episode for the kids will release much later just because producing those episodes takes a lot of work and time because he's just... You know, you re- you interview the child, but then you write the entire narrative and record that, and then you mix it with everything. It would be really fun if we could get to that point. You know, the Australia one we did, it was just such a beautiful story. And I mean, we, we're still talking about like, we should have a story with our mom and just, you know, for the parents that got inspired to explore that part of Australia. But it's just, it just production-wise, it hasn't always lined up. So the short answer is no. But um, for the ones where we do have both, we will certainly let parents know. Well, Ranyana, I just, I can certainly attest to the amount of time and care that goes into producing a podcast. And I, I am convinced that you have found a way to have more hours in a day than the rest of us humans. I don't know how in the world you do all this. And with three kids, including a a newborn, incredible. Yeah, I I will say um, I have a very, very hardworking co-host. So I want to give a, a big shout out to her. Um, because like without her that like the last the last couple of episodes would have not happened um, because yes I, I I can function on very little sleep but um, no it this this can only it takes a village to raise kids and it takes a village to build an online community and to to you know launch two podcasts I think I could have not done it without her well let's so thank you Veronique if you're listening Ver- I was gonna be I was gonna ask yeah, you to so- be intentional <laughs> and mention her by name so yeah so yeah no um yeah her name is Veronique Langmore Kinsey and um she's she's been right now the driving force she's probably editing audio right now well I'm I'm thinking thinking about her I'm with her there in spirit and I know you are too Ranyana I feel like I could go on all day this is you're right in my right in my wheelhouse here. I love talking about this stuff, but we got to, we got to say goodbye at some point. But before we do, I just want to encourage our friends out there listening, please listen and subscribe to the go with nugget for kids and the go with nugget for parents podcast. Check out nugget.travel. Everything Ranyana's got going on there, including the podcast. You'll find it there at nugget.travel. And we're going to have tons of links to everything that Ranyana and I have talked about today. Those links are going to be in the show notes, just like they always are at familytravel.org slash Radio. Ranyana Armstrong, thanks for taking some time out of your busy morning and for joining us here on Family Travel Radio with Baby in Tow. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Aaron, for having me. Um, it was an absolute pleasure. And um, I look forward to to hearing to you know a lot more of your episodes. Sure. And we'll have you back on and we'll get an update on the Go Nugget podcasts here uh, maybe sometime in the future. Okay. Sounds good. Great. Take care. You know that there's more to life than your work, but do your kids know? Last year, 55% of American parents didn't use all their vacation days. Taking time off to travel lets you show your kids different sides of the world and different sides of yourself, like the side that does things like this. Family travel is easier and more affordable than you might think. You brought them into this world, now show it to them. Discover the possibilities at familytravel.org. Hey, it's Aaron Schlein. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Family Travel Radio. All the notes for this episode and for every episode of the podcast are available at familytravel.org slash radio. All right, my friend, until we meet again, this is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio, and I am signing off. Family Travel Radio.